0: Welcome to the Highly Objective podcast,
1: where we talk to cannabis
0: industry executives and investors and go into the weeds on recent news.
1: Bob Grosbecht is co-CEO and co-chairman of Planet 13. He has been in the Las Vegas area for the majority of his life. Bob has extensive experience in the legal field, having practiced law for over 25 years. Grossbeck previously served as the general counsel of CNS Waste Solutions of Nevada. He also served as the mayor of the city of Henderson from 1993 to 1997.
0: Yay! Bob, I'd just like to start off with, with sort of, you know, some background. Uh, you know, what enticed you to get to the space and how did things get developed to build up Planet
1: 13? Uh, no, thanks. It's great to be with you. I Boy, that's a long time. We, we don't have time to talk about all that, but the, the short strokes version is I basically come out of the solid waste business primarily. I have a legal background, heavily involved in uh, regulatory and government affairs for many, many years. And um, you know I had my own firm for a number of years. And I'd met Larry Scheffler, my uh, partner and co-CEO, actually while we both served on the Henderson City Council in the mid-90s. And uh, Larry and I uh, started off as bitter enemies and really developed into a strong friendship and then a partnership. And then as a, while I was practicing law, I spent a great deal of time representing Larry's interest in land and uh, really got involved in that land, land use and in zoning matters. And then we really uh, you know, did a lot of other things together, but I literally was sitting in a count, uh, county commission meeting uh, one day on a zoning issue on a piece of property we had and not paying much attention to what was going on. And I thought I heard somebody mention the word marijuana. And I thought no, nah, I, mis- I misheard that. I- so I went back to uh, reading whatever I had in front of me. And sure enough, a few minutes later, they kept talking about a regulatory framework for legalization in Nevada for medical marijuana. And I was super intrigued because I've lived here for almost 50 years and I'd forgotten that we even passed. You know, you know, voted on that in 2000. So I ran down, grabbed a hard copy of the uh, the agenda and went back and sat down. And I I was just like a kid in a candy shop. I just had, it was just unbelievable. I just, I had no idea. And, you know, it reminded me of in Nevada gaming when it went from the underground to, to, to becoming legal in the thirties and much like prohibition when, you know we emerged from prohibition and you know all the alcohol companies became legit again. So I ran back and talked to Larry, of course, and we, we started, you know, taking a, a harder look at it. Of course, we we're very naive at the time and didn't know much about anything other than we saw this as potentially an attractive business opportunity. And fast forward now, what, seven years? And, you know, here we are. And it's been a, an incredible ride. And a lot of fun but it's been very challenging of course as you know quite well so it's uh it's an ever-evolving business and um, the regulatory side of it changes it seems like daily and i didn't know when we first got in i didn't know the ramifications of 280e for instance on the tax side certainly didn't understand the implications of schedule one and um you know so we've navigated all that and more and banking and all those things and you know here we are in 2021 trying to build a successful company. So that's kind yeah. of the short term.
0: Yeah, yeah. no,
1: that, um,
0: you know, I think you and Larry, the folks I know that went from the city council to running yeah. uh, a company this large in cannabis. Yeah, it has been a crazy ride. Um, walk me through how, you know, you kind of, maybe it's a Vegas driven mindset, but started with, you know, first store being the super concept and then, right. you know, obviously you, you acquired another smaller store, which I think you guys are calling neighborhood stores. And I right. came to Orange right. County very recently with, with your opening of the Santa Ana store in right. you know, obviously Florida. So yeah, just walk me through where the, the superstore concept kind of started.
1: Well, actually the superstore concept started at our original neighborhood store, Medicine. When we opened our first dispensary, it was called Medicine. And it was medical only at the time. And um, it was you know like most medical, uh, markets, particularly uh, at, at inception, um, you know, we were bleeding considerably. There just wasn't, an, there weren't enough cardholders in Nevada uh, to sustain, you know, our business, much less than the other stores in the industry. But it, it morphed into obviously adult use in 2017, which was a game changer. But we, you know, when we opened the facility in, in 2017, Larry and I were very proud of the facility. We still own it today. It was really unique, really high end. Uh, for for the space and but we recognized immediately it had two glaring deficiencies that we could never correct and kind of harkens back to the old adage in real estate um, you know larry i've been doing that for many years it's location 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 we were too far from the strip and our facility was too small really to um, you know to meet our goals and objectives when we started this we really wanted to do something special in the space and over the top so when we opened the original dispensary, we immediately started looking at opportunities for a bigger bigger space that was closer to the Las Vegas Strip. We recognized at the time, we couldn't be in the, in the gaming overlay district, which comprises Las Vegas Strip, but we wanted to be as close as we possibly could. And after a great deal of searching, we, we landed our current location in Las Vegas. It was a giant warehouse, about 112,000 feet. And uh, it was tired. It was a 60 year old building required a lot of infrastructure upgrades. But we're very pleased with, you know, what it meant. And again, the location was fantastic and remains so today. And we thought, you know, we could do something really special here. But it was interesting at the time when we did that, the, you know, the concerns were, hey, you know, we were looking at 25 or 30,000 feet and the owner of the building the landlord was you know was was concerned understandably that what am i going to do with the balance because you know it's going to limit me because a lot of tenants don't want to be um, in, in the same facility or building as you know cannabis type businesses we and we had a lot of respect for that so larry and i sat down and decided you know we can solve that problem pretty quickly we'll take the whole building and all of a sudden we had this beautiful footprint you know this conceptual Uh, dream to start building toward and literally we've been under construction since 2018 when we opened this in November and through phases and we're currently in phase three now and that'll be finished here uh, mid-September and then we'll start uh, um, building uh, phases four and five which will fill up the balance of the building the 112,000 feet. As we built out the superstore you know, we had a lot of naysayers. So if I had a dollar for everybody who thought we were crazy and wouldn't succeed, you know, I wouldn't have to sit here and try to sell cannabis today. But um, we weren't discouraged. It was just the opposite. We, we, we could tell that people didn't see the vision. You know, our whole goal then and now is to make the cannabis experience experiential, you know, something that people want to be part of, they want to feel safe when they shop. They want to be somewhere that engages them, stimulates them. In addition to having great products and in uh, great service. So, you know, we opened that as I said in 2018. It took a bit of time to ramp. It was a very new concept, but you know, now in Las Vegas, it's pretty much a destination. Uh, people come here. You have to see it, especially cannabis users, and even cannabis curious. So. To augment that, to drive additional traffic and enhance that experience, we built a you know a full-service restaurant and a bar. Uh, we just opened our new retail store today, um, you know, for the uh, Labor Day weekend. And as I said earlier, we've got another about twenty thousand feet of additional capacity coming online in mid-September, and it, including about an eight thousand square foot dispensary expansion, take us to eighty-four cash registers now, and. Um, with just you know the components within the, the facility are just over the top. We've got a gigantic video wall, for instance, 20 feet tall by 80 feet long, and some incredible maglev technology we're going to use in the store. It's again, it's all about engaging the customer and giving them that fantastic experience. And so when we obviously we continue to grow here and we thought, you know what? let's take this, this model elsewhere. And uh, California was a logical next step for us. We looked at probably a hundred opportunities uh, between Larry and myself before we found the Santa Ana location. And it, uh, you know, it was obviously a difficult uh, process because COVID hit us right in the middle. So it, it did cause some delays as government shut down and businesses shut down. But we were fortunate that uh, uh, we had a good contractor on board and we powered through that. And we opened that in uh, July or on July 1st of this year. So, you know, it's it's very new. Um, You know, it's 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 doing well. It's not doing like Vegas was doing initially because in California we don't have the tourist customer that we have here right now. And you know, with the COVID shutdowns in Greater LA, um, you know, there's been some difficulty with the theme parks being closed and reopened and then closed. Um, then partially reopened. It's it's created some uncertainty, but we're building up a really nice local customer base now, and building up a nice delivery platform. And we're very confident that as you know, as we as a country, and get our hands around this COVID situation and, and start to normalize, um, we're going to see a significant uptick in the um, the tourist customer as well. So, it's it's a beautiful facility. You know, Vegas is a Vegas type facility all the way. Um, it's, you know, just over the top, tip, typical Vegas style. And Santa Ana, of course, is unique to Southern California. We pay homage to that lifestyle and, and that look. You know, you're greeted with a giant uh, waterfall when you come in. And, you know, we've got an interactive floor that uh, you're walking on the ocean in the sands. And you're greeted by a gigantic octopus as you, as you go through the uh, turnstiles. So high ceilings, very vibrant colors. It's, it's just Cali all the way. And uh, I just love the facility and, and you know, we'll start, uh, we'll start looking to do other things down there like we do in Vegas. We'll, you know, we'll start building out additional, additional features in phases. Um, and, you know, we'll see how things materialize in the fall, but we've got some unique concepts we're working on now that we hope to introduce to the council and um, just excited about that. And then of course, as, as you mentioned earlier, uh, we recently announced announced we're going into Chicago, and our goal there is to do a superstore. And of course, terribly excited about Florida. We just announced that earlier in the week. We just see Florida as a fantastic opportunity as a company. Uh, you know, given the um, you know the the uh, the super license that uh, we're acquiring, it gives us the opportunity to build not only our neighborhood retail stores, as we call those, um, and they're experiential as well, but. Um, Florida could probably support two or three superstores, you know, once that market does transition into adult use. So, and, and is that just in the, the major cities? So, are you thinking, you know, similarly,
0: uh, how close Santa Ana is to Disneyland, uh, Orlando maybe is another superstore, and then is the called third one maybe a Tampa Bay or Jacksonville store, or where you think you might be? Other- yeah, I
1: think all of those cities make a lot of sense. It's just a question of, you know, finding the right location. Of course, you know, having the, the local governments embrace the concept and, and get behind these types of projects. But yeah, you you hit on that. We think Miami, uh, Orlando, uh, you know, even Fort Lauderdale, um, although it's very close to Miami, but yeah, Tampa, St. Pete, Jacksonville, um, all of those are potential candidates. Um, we do think, uh, you know, longer term, um, you know, we'll probably cite three of those in the state. So you know, and Florida's just just, you know, it's an exciting, exciting state with just, uh, you know, a significant population base, over 20 million people. And, you know, one of the large, largest tourist economies in the country. And we're, like I said, we're all, we're very comfortable on this side that, you know, that COVID will pass at some point. And, and you know, when people are coming back, particularly the international travelers, uh, we just see tremendous upside there.
0: So, so walk me through the thinking on that process. So, you know, assume that, you know, the announcement happened for True Leaf harvest, they then probably have their bankers go out to divest the asset, reach out to you guys, you paid $55 million for it, which is roughly 40% of your, 30th, how do you sort of think through that $55 million valuation for that super license in Florida?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, look, it, when you look at it at first blush, you'd think, oh, my goodness, $55 million. That's not, you know, a huge sum of money. And it is. But it's it's an unlimited license. you know. And Florida requires that you be vertically integrated, which we're very comfortable with. And you know, you're know, you not capped on stores. I mean, I've, I've looked at single store licenses in Nevada, uh, pieces of paper for $10 million, $15 million and same in California. So, you know, it's really a bargain. We're very fortunate that we, you know, we had the opportunity to bid on the license. There was, uh, you know, a significant amount of interest and, um, you know, we just basically got a cold call one day from the banker or, uh, you know, their banker and it was the timing couldn't have been better for us because we have been actively looking in the Florida market for quite some time. And, you know, just a limited number of those licenses available. Um, That were for sale. So when, when the opportunity presented itself, we thought, you know, let's, let's make a run at this. And, you know, this is one of the, one of the biggest targets for us as a company is the state of Florida. And we we feel very fortunate to to have prevailed in that bid process and uh, are now, you know, laser focused on building something special there and then you know what's the fifth market for you guys then is it is
0: it New York I mean I, I know in the investor deck you guys mentioned the city is affluent enough to support a major sports team right you're right. interested in opening a premium canvas store which is your superstore is that the next logical one or what's market number five
1: well it's certainly on our plate uh, you know we've been we've been looking at New York now that you know we've seen some meaningful progress um, you know unfortunately you know in, in a lot of states in, in these these regulations get you know mired in politics. And it's nice to see that New York's made the turn. It looks like they're going to do something here. So we're excited about that. We're excited, you know, we're, we're exploring that very closely. Whether it's the next one, I don't know. We're also looking in Metro Phoenix, uh, really looking to expand our footprint in California, of course. Uh, Illinois is a very attractive market, you know, and, and we don't plan on stopping just at a superstore. We, you know, we look to do something meaningful there with you know multiple stores and a you know integrated presence but you know even michigan's you know looks attractive we've spent a lot of time looking at opportunities in massachusetts primarily the metropolitan boston area so there are plenty of opportunities and you know right now like i said we've got a lot on our plate so we're going to work really hard to, to get chicago moving forward and of course florida's is equally if not more important and um, so that's going to consume most of our time here in the near term. But uh, that said, if, if the opportunity should present itself in one of these other jurisdictions I, I mentioned, we'll, we'll take a hard look because you know, we are looking, obviously, for a fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth state to operate in. So, so let's, let's project out till end of
0: 2023, two years from now. What do you think your mix of superstore and neighborhood stores
1: will be? Well, by 2023, I'm thinking just in Florida alone, you know, we've we're, we're got a pretty aggressive schedule, but we'll probably, our goal is to be in the, you know, roughly the 15 or so range on stores. Um, you know, we could probably pick up a few more in California and maybe one or two more in Nevada. And then, like I said, we're taking a hard look at some opportunities in, in, in Arizona and Michigan and Illinois. So, you know, but I think from a ratio standpoint, You'll probably see five, you know, five or six neighborhood stores uh, to every superstore. You know, that's a very rough ratio. But you know, a superstore typically, you know, from a revenue standpoint and um, a traffic standpoint, is usually, you know, from our history, it it, it's, it represents about five, five to ten normal traditional dispensaries. It's just operated on a much larger scale, of course. So.
0: Yeah, and is the the target also to have about 8 to 10% of market share in states that you operate in, or how do you think about that market share from Nevada, which you've been able to, you know,
1: Oh, no, that's a great question. Um, Obviously, it's easier to capture more market share in a smaller state like Nevada um, than it is in a, you know, state like California with, you know, 30-some million uh, residents and... um, Boy, that's hard to say by percentage. I, all I'll say is in every market we, we go into, we expect to be a significant player. And you know, we will devote the, uh, the capital and the resources to build very, very strong operations in those respective entities.
0: Got it. So probably top three, top five players. So just throwing out another state that you have thrown out, let's say Pennsylvania. So if you don't see yourself being a top three or a top five player. No.
1: Well, I don't look at it necessarily by certainly by percentage again each market is is vastly different um but every market we go into you know we're there to stay and we're there to play and we play hard and we believe in our model and our concept and you know we think you know what we do um will be very successful and and we expect to be a significant player in, in each market we're in Otherwise, we wouldn't be there. Yeah. we're not Makes in this sense. game. Yeah, we're not in this game. Just to, we're not marginal players. We don't. We don't think like that. So, um, we're always aspiring to be better.
0: So it seems like the, the whole company is built around experiences, right? Hence, kind of right. the, the super short concept and, and what you felt on OC and in, in, in Vegas. Right. Where does brands play into that, right? So I think today you guys are 20% house brand at the Superstore in Vegas. Right. What's the target over time at that store, at other stores? Are you going to be very brand focused going forward? Um, I think you guys have about five brands today, which, which retails um, you know, wholesale and also retails in stores.
1: Right. Yeah. Brands are critically important to us. Obviously we've got the, the storefront brand in Planet 13. Um, as I said earlier, medicine originally was a storefront for us, and that's morphed now into a product line. So, you know, we've been very happy with that, very successful with our, our medicine strains. One of the, the big uh, holdbacks for us here in Nevada that we're looking to, um, you know, to, to fix, rather, is we just don't have the capacity to wholesale flour. So, you know, for instance, um, you know, we're adding on another 25,000 feet right now one of our existing uh, facilities here in Vegas, but looking to add upwards of 60,000 more square feet here in order to meet the demand just for our medicine flower products. So we can feed the superstore, medicine, our, our neighborhood store, and then of course into the wholesale markets. But we've done very well on, you know, on the production side, wholesaling into the state. Um, our Ha Ha Gummies brand is one of the top sellers in the state. Our Ha Ha Beverage line was recently released um, our sparkling water and our sugar products and done exceptionally well in the state. And in addition, our Dreamland Chocolates line, we've just introduced a new uh, a peanut butter chocolate uh, a square into the market. So um, all have uh, received very favorable uh, feedback from the consumers. And, you know, so we're going to carry those brands into California. Like I said, we're going to be integrated there. So we're looking at some opportunities now in California to kind of backfill, cultivation, and production so we can control the process, but we'll carry those brands into California. We'll ultimately carry those brands into into uh, uh, Illinois, and then of course, Florida. So every market that we go into under the planet 13 flag uh, will also, um, you know, our, our, our brand of products will follow. Got it. And then and so let, let's take that brand in California, obviously a very competitive market. There's
0: right. hundreds of not- few thousand brands. Yep. How do you plan on, on competing there on, on the brand side? You know, let's just say ha ha even. So, so gummies and beverages, how do you guys plan on competing here?
1: Well, we'll compete in two ways, one on price and quality. And just like we did in Nevada, you know, we, um, we spent a great deal of time, you know, with R and D got a fantastic team on our production side of the house. And, you know, the ha ha gummies just took the market by storm. And same with chocolate and same with the beverages. And it, uh, we're going to continue to do that. And it's a lot of hard work. It's introducing the product to um, you know, the wholesale markets and those, and those markets we're going into. And you know, the products speak for themselves. And we're, we're very, very committed to consistent quality. And one of the problems we've had, again, we, you know, we carry hundreds of vendors here at the Superstore at any given time. And one of the things we've discovered over the years is um, consistency and quality. And we've seen some fantastic flower, for instance, come through, you know, for a year or two and then see a significant drop off in in quality and potency. And that usually raises red flags because that's, you know, from my experience, and um, that's the quickest way to destroy your brand is to slip on your your quality. And so we're acutely aware of that. And you know, like I said, it'll sell itself. And once we're in those markets and customers have a chance to to try our, our products, uh, we know they'll be back again and again and again. And is the plan to build out the wholesale business here in California yourself, or is it to potentially outsource? Let's say just on the distribution front, will you have your own well, products or... That's a great question. Yeah, so we actually have a distribution license and a facility built in, but, uh, you know, the, the, the primary play right now in the near term, um, again, is, is to build out the delivery platform and then increase um, traffic through the facility, but distribution is a key component. But we'll, we'll really focus on that once we get our brands into the market. So uh, we're positioned now, we'll, we'll, we'll take advantage of that when we can, but Right now that's not our near-term priority just because we don't have the operations in the market to even deal with that so you know, you know hopefully exactly. news on that
0: soon all right right, will do um and then going back to brands and, and m a is that an area of focus for plant 13 or is it mainly m a on the retail side um or is it across the supply chain
1: well that's that's also a great question we're gonna across the spectrum so you know, we're gonna to continue to focus on retail opportunities, but for us, again, in every market that we we're in uh, and where we can, we expect to be vertically integrated. So the wholesale side of this is gonna be a big component, you know, with our, our branded product lines as well. Got uh, it,
0: that makes sense. Um, yeah, obviously your, your margins are some of the best, if not the best in the industry. So it makes sense to be vertically integrated and keep that. Um, and, and then going into sort of, you know, COVID, so I guess going, taking a step back, we're still in a COVID, when I look at your, your quarter quarter, it seems like you guys very quickly recovered, even though, you know, Vegas is, is kind of, I haven't been uh, since MJBiz 2019, but it, it seems like there were two, maybe three down quarters. Uh, but things are, are are back up and running, and you know your Q2 was 32.8 million in revenue. Um, I think what 7.2 million EBITDA. So it seems like that the growth as and you know, if I just compared that to your Q1 2020, that's that's nearly double um, in, in six quarters. So walk me through how you've managed to to kind of you know steer the company through COVID in the first three quarters and you know continuing to do that as as we're still recovering.
1: Sure. So COVID obviously was, um, it was just devastating for us and, well, basically the entire country. But we really had a choice here in Nevada. You know, the governor um, closed all operations and um, so all storefronts were closed. And of course, that was the big driver of our traffic at the time. Fortunately, he, he deemed us an essential business and allowed us to operate through a delivery platform only initially. Uh, The unfortunate part of that is at the time I think we had three vehicles. We were not delivery focused in any way because, again, 85-90% of our customers were non-Nevadans. That forced us to make some really hard decisions and we were able to pivot very quickly. And for for Larry and, and myself, it was a pretty easy decision. We were not going to close our doors and we made the decision not to lay off any employees and so we needed to put them to work and we literally built a uh, a delivery platform in a matter of you know a couple weeks and went out and bought 30 new vehicles and then added to that fleet as as things went on we we got up to the point in a fairly short order we were doing over a thousand deliveries a day right in that range and so you know we built a business around that you know we built some software around that and really built a unique program but it was absolutely um you know, devastating. I uh, hope we never go through that again as a country and certainly as a business, but it was, it was a learning experience for us and it it made us nimble and it, you know, forced us to adapt, but, um, you know, COVID's COVID and, you know, I don't have much control over what the government regulators will do at any given moment, but, you know, again, we're always, we're nimble and we were very fortunate when the, Um, the markets did open up again. There was a huge pent-up demand. People, you know, felt like they'd been in prison for a year and they just wanted to get out and have some fun, let their hair down. Well, Las Vegas was a natural for that. And so we were very fortunate, significant uptick in traffic and, um, you know, we were able to reap uh, some of the benefit from that because, you know, customers, you know, wanted to come see the facility again and experience that. So, And then of course it's creating awareness and marketing to them directly. So it's, it's a big, big program. Um, but that's what it's all about. And we're very fortunate. And we just, we hope that Vegas continues to, uh, to grow. The nice thing about that though, is. You know, that all that growth was in the retail customer, you know, the conventions were virtually shut down and remain shut down for the most part. We'll start seeing those come in the latter part of this year. Uh, for instance the rodeo and mj biz for instance and some of the bigger concerts like um edc so we haven't even had the benefit of those yet so we're real excited how things will transition into the balance through the balance of the year um but again that's all contingent upon you know the the economy staying open yep
0: yep definitely and, and out of your control um okay. just last question here so does that mean you re- you retain the engineers that you I'm sorry. Did you retain those engineers then, um, from sort of filling out very quickly the delivery business, and you know, are you going to build other software in house going forward, or what's sort of the plan there on the software oh, no, technology
1: side? Yeah. No, great. Yeah. No, good point. Sorry, I didn't hear that part. Yeah. Obviously, from a software and IP standpoint, or technology standpoint, we're always looking to make a better widget. So you know, we partner with some uh, some great providers. And then we always look to improve upon those. So, and we're building a, we built some pretty interesting software and things that really help us navigate at this scale. So, yeah, and it's continually evolving. So
0: we'll continue to push forward.